Welcome to Fly on the Wall Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Songson, CEO and founder of Church Boom. Here you get to sit in on a live coaching session as I coach pastors through the ministry challenges we all face. If you find this podcast helpful, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. I'm so excited to be talking to an incredible leader. Robert is a pastor in Southern California. He's got an incredible church. God's just blessing it enormously. And we're talking today on how do you deal with toxic leaders? What happens when a leader starts to go sideways? How do you recognize it? How do you deal with it? Uh, how do you get that leader back on track if you can get that leader back on track? So there's so much uh, good stuff we're going to be talking about. So let's jump into the conversation with my good friend, Robert. Let's jump into it, man. Thanks for being on the podcast. And man, how can I serve you today? What's on your mind? Hey, man. So just, you know, had a few questions. Um, and uh, the, uh, you know, obviously in the growing stages that we are, as a church, you know, one of my, uh, my, one of my concerns is a healthy growth. And so I know that a lot of this starts with leadership. So, you know, what, what is your take on how to raise healthy leaders, um, in, in this, uh, growing stage of our church? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, your church is what five five years five old. Five years old. Five years old. Five okay, years old. so yeah, yeah, that's the good thing about church planning. I always tell people when you inherit <laughs> someone else's problems, you're a pastor. You inherit a church. You're like blame them, blame the blame the former pastor. When you're a church planner, whatever problems you have at the end of five years, you created. <laughs> so, that's right. <laughs> I always tell church planner because I'm a church planner, and I'm like, yep, I get it. Uh, but anyway, so I love that you're church planning. I know your church is doing an awesome job meeting in a theater, and and uh, it's an old theater. 100-year-old building, you get the opportunity yeah. to, I know a little bit about your church, and uh, to rent it all week long, which a lot of people don't get that opportunity, so it's awesome. But man, when we're talking about healthy leaders, Robert, I think there's two sides to that coin. One, at five years old, your ability to start creating a leadership ladder for your church, I want to look at two sides of the coin. One is onboarding and getting leaders. First is finding the right leader. I think we make a lot of mistakes in the church world where we take a manager and title them leader. Mm. We take a faithful person and title them leader. Mm. And somehow faithful automatically makes them a leader. Hey, they're here all the time. Make them a leader. They're not a leader. But we do that because we haven't figured out what does an actual leader look like and then how do we develop them? How do, how do they climb the ladder? Not only develop them, but how do we make sure that they're actually leaders and both developing and, and to make sure that that's who they really are. They're not just people that are faithful, although faithful is great, but how do we do that? If there's one thing I'd encourage you to do at this stage of your church, it would be, look, we have to be a leadership producing church. That means our staff is always apprenticing. The youth pastor is raising up two people to be just as good as him. The children's pastor is raising up two people to be just as good as them, if not better. There's got to be a constant culture shift, um, not just a department, not just, hey, raise up leaders and put a badge on someone and call them a leader and deputize them as a leader, but how do we actually raise up leaders? in the? I think that question has to be answered with mm -hmm. your team. That's number one, uh, because what happens is, is we try to 
you, your question is like, how do we constantly, you know, make sure our leaders are healthy? How do we keep healthy leaders? Sometimes we raise up people that aren't leaders. And then on the back end, we're fighting health. When the problem really was, mm-hmm. is we put the wrong people in the wrong position that mm-hmm. shouldn't have been there to begin with. And now we're dealing with this back end problem. So we classify it as, hey, man, you know, man, these guys aren't leading. They're frustrating. They're not healthy. I don't know if they're keeping balance. Maybe, they, maybe they're a little toxic. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever the problem is, a lot of it could have been solved with, well, wait a minute, let's put the right people on the bus to begin with. So one is, do we have a leadership ladder? And two, and we have a clarity of how we're going to make leaders. But then how do we keep them healthy? And I and uh, one is, and let me ask you this question. When you say keeping them healthy, is that personally healthy? Or is that more about let's keep this team healthy? Yeah, I, I think I would say um, uh, both end. Like the, the, obviously, the team has to work. But we do care about the individual, sure. you know. Sure. Uh, but in, in the in the big picture is we want to make sure that the culture stays healthy. Mm-hmm. So it would be the the team, uh, the team's health. Yeah. Okay. So okay. No, that's a great. That's great. So again, who we onboard is important. Don't put managers in leadership positions. Now let's talk about just the health overall. Uh, I love talking about that. The book I, uh, the most recent book I wrote was saving your church from itself. Six, mm. uh, six subtle behaviors that tear teams apart. It's all about tear. It's all about what tears teams apart. So when we start getting into this area over here, uh, when we're talking about healthy as a church, as a, as a leadership, there's personal health, and I agree with you. We got to care about that. But let's talk about the team health. Yeah. Here's one thing I always say: is that systems. Uh, I think I think that messages inspire, but systems change behavior. Mm. So what is the system by which we're creating health? Because here's what happens is if we're not careful, I tell leaders this all the time. You've got to create systems of like, okay, every meeting we have, like I'll give you an example. Every meeting we have the Matthew 18. Meeting starts, all right, this Matthew 18 moment, which says go to your brother at once. Is there anything we need to talk about as a team, as a staff? Mm. Is there any issue? Matthew, we're not talking about once a year. Every staff meeting, all the time, without fail, is there a Matthew 18 that we need to talk about? Mm. And then if, if, if no one says anything, okay, if you have a problem, you know, if there's a problem with two of you or whatever, or you might have an issue with someone, but you didn't want to bring it up in this room, and you know, maybe it wasn't a team issue, it's more of a personal issue, before you leave this property, make sure you work it out with that person because wow. we keep short accounts here. Wow. That's Good. board meeting. I just had a board meeting last week. Right on. The, I can show you the board agenda. Matthew 18. <clears throat> it's right on there. It lives on there. Because wow. we are going to make sure that we practice Matthew 18, and we're going to always keep short accounts. Second thing is, I think it's important to teach your team, we don't live in artificial harmony. Hmm. Artificial harmony is when we pretend that everything's okay. We're not going to do that. Hmm. We're not going to be mean-spirited, but we're going to have the tough conversation. Because we're not going to live in artificial harmony. If you're not careful, the, the, the subtitle of the book that I wrote is Six Subtle Behaviors That Tear Teams mm. Apart. Not mm. Six Obvious Behaviors. Wow. Because by the time it's obvious, it's too late. Wow. It's subtle behaviors. That person's getting a little toxic. That person is starting to talk a little bit. I can tell that person's coming with more problems than they do solutions. That person's being hypercritical. What's really going on there? 
And if we let that keep going, and that gets that person more influence, gives them a bigger audience, it starts getting worse. Here's what one thing I always say. By when the team starts to recognize it, it's too late. Wow. You got to recognize it further and faster than anybody else. Wow. And if you recognize, okay, something's going on here and no one else is recognizing it, have the hard conversation. For example, I would say to you, if you're my staff member, Robert, every staff meeting, you always come with solutions. Every staff meeting, you're just so positive, but it's, it's not been that way lately. Can you speak into that for me? And then Ooh. let's start dialoguing. I'm just coming in soft. Let's start dialoguing. He may admit it. Robert may admit it to me like, yeah, I'm having a little bit of a problem and now we can deal with it. He may not admit it, but he knows if I see something, I'll deal with it. Mm-hmm. Not afraid to have the tough conversations because what happens is the subtle behaviors start settling in. They, they don't deal with Matthew 18. They, they, they preach for you, and then someone tells them how great they are, uh, and then they start to believe their own press. They start creating a core with inside of a core of people that really kind of feel the way that they feel. All these little toxic things start to happen, and it ends up tearing the team apart. One thing wow. I said in the book and one thing I say all the time, when the enemy takes a run at your church, he won't do it to those who attend it. He'll do it to those who lead it. Wow. It's never the attender. Wow. Bro, I have, I've walked through, so, you know, we coach hundreds of churches through the church boom side of my life. Bro, I've never once, no one ever has said, dude, the guy that's attending, we don't even know his name. No one even knows who the guy is. He's just tearing our church apart. Wow. <laughs> it's never that guy. Yeah. It's some leader that was given authority that, the, that it's not being dealt with. It's always in the leadership. That's good. So you got to deal with that subtle behavior to make sure that you're protecting the environment of the team. That's because good. It, once it starts, once someone starts thinking, um, man, I love the church. I tolerate the leader. Uh, things would be better if I was in charge. Wow. Mm-hmm. Do what you want in the rest of the church. Leave my department alone. Maybe they don't say any of those things, but they feel that. Man, you are heading. It, it's it's going down a bad path. Wow. That's why it's six subtle behaviors. You yeah. got to recognize Robert the subtle behaviors before they come obvious. Because be, when they become obvious, it's too late. When they're subtle, you have a chance. Good. That's good. Yeah. Let me throw. Let me throw another question at yeah. you. Um, how do you? How do we build ministry for future generations? Uh, how do how do we build a ministry that will last? Okay, when you say build a future ministry, you're talking about expand that a little bit. You're talking about just <clears throat> how do we build the church that'll last? Like what do you, what do you? Yes, um, you know, uh, I, I'm talking about the church. Uh, I'm a church planner, like we talked about. Um, how do how do I make sure this doesn't just end here, you know, and it goes into future generations. Yeah. Well, um, okay. I, I got the clarity of what you're saying now. That is a passion of mine because um, I think that we are, I think that we have a sleeping giant. Um, mm-hmm. You look at all the universities um, that are Christian universities with some sort of mission statement that says they're going to raise up future world changers and, you know, ministry and pastors or whatever, and they're not. Um, I can think of three universities right now that graduated anywhere from 200 to 500 students 
I know them for a fact because I spoke to the, I know the vice president, I know a couple of the president. They graduated two to 500 students in August. And each of them range anywhere from one to four people of those two to 500 that are going to go in ministry. Wow. 40%, 40% less youth groups than there was wow. 10 years ago in America. Wow. Here's what I think the problem is. Uh, my personal opinion is I, I think that we're not calling out the called like we used to. Mm. Go back to when you were in youth group. I got saved in a youth group. I didn't grow up in church, but I got saved in a youth group. Everybody was called, whether they were or not, you know. <laughs> Everybody was called, yeah. you know. Like nobody answered, the, you know. I mean, a handful of us went on to be in ministry, and not every one of us was called, but that was the pulse. Like we were all in, we were called, you know, and like that was the pulse of a lot of the kids in the youth group. And, you know, I don't know, you could battle that either way, but, you know, back then it was like everybody was called. Uh, somewhere in the last 10, 15 years, I think we've lost that. Mm. We're, we're not calling out the called like we used to. And I think people are getting aware of that. Dude, there's a book called Calling, I think it's called Calling Out the Called. It's actually called that. Um, I know that multiple denominations are coming out with called camps for teenagers because they're realizing like, wow, we're, this is a problem because it's, it's, and I, I love that we're starting to do it. I think we have a long way to go to play catch up, but here's the problem. You've got about a 15 to 18 year gap. Yeah. Yeah. Show me the 25 year olds that are, that mm -hmm. are dying to be in ministry right now. 28 year olds. They're just not. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're missing a gap. It's kind of like, yeah, we didn't have any college football for 15 years and now we're going to, okay, well you can <laughs> say goodbye to the NFL then. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah. where, how are they going to get fed? How, where, where, where are you getting the talent from? If you're going to take a 15 year, year hiatus in college ball, you're going to, you're also going to hurt NFL very badly. Same thing in ministry. You're going to hurt this if you don't have this. So, one, I think it's great that you're aware of it, Robert. Secondly is I think there needs to be a spirit and culture that needs to gravitate into our churches and move throughout our churches of we're calling out two things. One, we're calling out the next generation. But we're not only calling out the next generation, we're also not afraid to call out the 30 or 40-year-old who I have a friend of mine, a guy I know that he's didn't even join the ministry until he was 40, but someone called him out. Wow. You know, one of my, I, I now serve as more of the global pastor of our church because we have church boom and then I do more expansion. So I took the lead role and handed, handed it to a guy, handed it to a guy that 15 years ago was a, was a PE teacher, wow. but I saw something in him and now he's Ooh. over, he's overseeing 12 campuses. Wow. You know, so don't be afraid to call out the adult. But as it pertains to the next generation, I think we just have to start calling them out. Mm -hmm. I think we have to train our youth pastors, children's pastors, worship pastors to not be afraid like, hey, Tom, I think God's got more for you. Let me help you explore mm -hmm. that. Let's get together. Let's talk about that. Let's go through a leadership book or two of them for the next year and just talk leadership. That's all I did with the guy that now oversees the 12 campuses. All I did was just said, why don't you and I just go through a couple books together? I'm the lead pastor of multiple campuses, but I saw something in him, brought him in, brought him up, brought him in as a small group pastor, and now look where he's at because wow. I called out the called. Good. I was like, God's got more for you. I could see it. And That's I think great. we have to do that. And I don't, I don't think there's a big um, 
recipe for it. I think it's a matter of that's the spirit of our church. We see someone and we call them out. Beautiful. I have one more question for you. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we're good. uh, You know, talking about being healthy leaders and, uh, you know, getting that gap smaller between the generations of the next, uh, which is all great. What gives you hope? What gives you hope about the church? And I'm talking to like the big C, right? Yeah. What, what, what are you hope? What, what gives you hope? What do you Mm. see in the big C? Uh, one, um, I'm watching the denominations, different denominations in different Mm. States doing that call. And I, there, and here's why I, that gives me hope, uh, because I think it's been a sleeping giant mm. that no one's been paying attention to. And now I think denominations in different states are starting to pay attention to it. Um, man, I know in New Mexico, they did a call. And they had like 250 students show up and they're all only there because they feel called to ministry. Wow. Uh, and it's, I think there's a little bit of that stirring that's going on. I love that. I think that's great. Um, you know, we, you know, I'm, uh, I, part of my life is church boom and we have a church rescue initiative. Churches are dying. We're trying to rescue them and they're dying a uh, hundred to 200 churches per week are closing. We're closing nine straight years. America's closed more churches than it's open and 84% are plateaued or declined. So we got a serious problem. What I, what I'm excited about is I think more and more people are realizing it and stepping mm-hmm. up, trying to fix it. We can stay in our little world and be yeah. like, Hey man, I got my church of 300. I'm good. But if we don't rescue, a church of 300 is healthy. In most cases, they are. Okay, But if we don't start helping the unhealthy church, I don't care if your church is two years old or 20 years old. If we don't start helping the bride of Christ, the big C, as you call it, we're in trouble. And I think we're going to be held accountable for that. So what gives me hope is people like you showing up to a vision summit going, dude, we got to rescue church. You're a church planner, and you're already trying to rescue churches. I love that because that's where we have to live, man. So watching people, I was with a church yesterday. They got a couple hundred people in their church, couple hundred people in their church. Mm-hmm. And the pastor at lunch told me, he goes, somehow or another in 2024, we're going to give $100,000 to help rescue churches. Wow. And he goes, I'm going to figure wow. it out. So I'm excited that people are going that, hey, I've got two or 300 people in my church, but I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to rescue these churches of 20 or 30. That's one side of it. The other awesome. side is the called side. Those two things give me hope. Now, they give me hope because I think we're starting to, you know, we're in a little bit of quicksand and we're starting to get back out. I think we have a long way to go, (laughs) many, many years in front of us because of those two major things. I mean, think of it, dude. 40% less youth groups on this side. Hardly anybody going into ministry. But let's go over to this side and go, nine straight years we close more churches we open. Bro, that's a double whammy. So we're closing more churches. And, oh, by the way, we don't have leaders for them. I mean, it's just, it just fuels this problem. But we're on a, I think we're on a multiple years in front of us of starting to solve the problem, and people are owning it. You got to own it, man. I think every church that's got to call yeah. out the cult, and not just because I oversee church boom, but I think every church has got to help rescue a church. You can't let the bride of Christ bleed out in the emergency room. Yeah. So to me, I, that's where it gives me hope because I think there's awareness coming, and I think we're yeah. seeing the sleeping giant and we're starting to attack it. Great, man. That's yeah. awesome. Thank you, man. That's yeah. Well, let me say one more thing, great... only because it's such a passion of mine is um, a while back, someone says to me, hey, man, 
84% of, you know, I'll say 84% of churches are in decline. We're not calling out the called, you know, uh, all the stats I just gave. And he was an older guy, you know, and he's on the, he's done with ministry. I mean, not done, but he, you know, he's way retired. Bro, he poked me in the chest. I'll kind of do that to you on this online here. And he looked at me, he goes, uh, that's happening on your watch. Mm. Come on. Didn't happen on my watch. That's happening on your watch. Come on. Nine straight years we shut down more churches we've opened. For the first time in America's history, less than 50 people proclaim a faith. We have 40% less youth groups. That didn't happen on my watch, buddy. He said, you guys that are in ministry right now, you got to fix it. It's happening wow. on your watch. You better fix it. And it was really convicting. Wow. And that's wow. why I'm really passionate about it because I'm like, yeah, I don't want to get to heaven and think in all of America's history that happened on our watch. Mm. Well, thank yeah. you. I'm, I'm ready to labor. I'm ready to do the work. <laughs> I know I am. And uh, we're trying our best to uh, you not just awesome. raise a church, but also rescue churches. And I thank you for taking yeah. the time to coach and share your knowledge and Absolutely. Uh, you're a gift. You're a gift to the body. And I just really appreciate you and your entire team. Uh, thanks, Thank you man. so much. Now, thanks for being on the podcast today. I appreciate you, buddy. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Right. See you. Thank you for tuning in to the Fly on the Wall podcast. We hope today's episode provided you with some practical steps to lead your church to the next level. If you found this episode helpful, take a moment to leave us a review and share it with others. Remember, when the pastor grows, the church grows, and we grow pastors. We love you. We're your raving fans, and we are cheering you on. See you next week.